<clears throat> we left off the book of Revelation with uh, uh, chapter 10 here, just moving through the book. Um, I, I did preach uh, on um, uh, Revelation 9 uh, one of the days that we were out because of the COVID and, and because of the winter <laughs> weather. Um, but anyway, uh, the, last, the last where I left off was chapter 10, and we want to look at that and uh, just get back into the book of Revelation um, all the way to till we finish it. And I think it's a, a great book to go through, especially in, in these times. Not necessarily that because I think the Lord is coming back uh, tomorrow, <laughs> and, and not because I, I see signs all around, but because we need encouragement in the time of trouble. And, and there is a lot of trouble and strife going on around us. And what we need, what, what the revelation encourages us to do is to hold on in faith to Christ to the bitter end because if we do so, um, we will be on the winning team in the end and He'll give us a crown of eternal life. So we look forward to that. And it helps us to live now in faith to Him. That, that there's a call. And, uh, prophecy primary function is not just to give us a glimpse of the future but for the current generation to, to receive a message from God to remain faithful to Him and put off our sin, repent, turn to Him, trust in Him, hold on in faith. It was always a message for the current generation because this is what's going to happen and, and you better be ready for it in the future. The way to prepare for it is to put yourself in God's hands now. And that's, that, that's the primary purpose of, of Revelation. That's the primary purpose of any prophecy. Let's read chapter 10 here, verses 1 through 11. Then I saw another mighty angel coming down from heaven, wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head, and his face was like the sun and his legs like pillars of fire. He had a little scroll open in his hand, and he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land, and called out with a loud voice like a lion roaring. And when he called out, the seven thunders sounded. And when the seven thunders had sounded, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven say, Seal up what the seven thunders have said, and do not write it down. And the angel <clears throat> whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives um, forever and ever who created heaven and what is in it the earth and what is in it and the sea and what is in it that there would be no more delay but that in the days of the trumpet called to be sounded by the seventh angel the mystery of God would be fulfilled just as he announced to his servants the prophets then the voice that I had heard from heaven spoke to me again, saying, Go, take the scroll that is open in the hand of the angel who was standing on the sea and on the land. So I went to the angel and told him to give me the little scroll. And he said to me, Take and eat. It will make your stomach bitter, but in your mouth it will be sweet as honey. And I took the little scroll from the hand of the angel and ate it. It was sweet as honey in my mouth, but when I had eaten it, my stomach was made bitter. And I was told, You must again prophesy about many peoples and nations and languages and kings. Let's pray. Lord, we just ask God for a blessing on the reading and on the hearing 
of your word. Father, let it go forth and not return void. And it's in your name I pray and ask all these things. Amen. Again, when we look at the book of Revelation, we see uh, many kind of uh, weird signs and, and symbols and things that uh, generate fear in a lot of people because of the judgments uh, being mentioned here. And, and I think, too, it, it, it generates fear in, in, in believers. And, and especially, it seems like it generated uh, a lot of fear in, in modern minds uh, these days because, I, because I, I think in our Western culture, we had become so divorced uh, um, in, in time from the early church. And, and the early church, they, they faced persecution all around them. But, it, but in the Western culture, when, when the Romans um, accepted Christianity as, as their national religion, and, and uh, eventually uh, when the Roman Empire collapsed, the church kind of took over, so to speak. And they, uh, you know, Christians have, have I mean, th there's been Christians for uh, thousands of years in Europe, for, for a little over a thousand years, that there's been Christianity in Europe, and we transferred that Christianity uh, here to, to the states uh, when, when the colonization happened. So Western culture has been immersed in, in Christianity. That, that has been, um, for the most part, accepted and, and uh, has, has been um, enjoying peace for a long time. And I think that we, we have forgotten that uh, Jesus' call is countercultural. Why is it countercultural? Because the culture has been corrupted because of, of, of the, the sin that occurred in ancient times uh, uh, under Adam and Eve. And, is it, and what's, what's happening is, is that uh, culture is, is still um, corrupted because of Adam and Eve's sin. Humanity, people are corrupted because of Adam and Eve's sin. And the only cure for that is to come to Jesus Christ for forgiveness and for cleansing and for transformation and, and, and to live opposite the way that, that the godless and wicked culture is living. doesn't mean that, that we throw off culture and, and ignore it. It just means that we live differently within the culture as an example of Christ and His love. But, but we've never had a real challenge to Christianity in so long. I, I think people look at this book of Revelation and, and there's a lot of fear generated because of what's being happened, of, of what's happening. But, but Christ's call long ago was, was that you know, you're going to be persecuted for Christian beliefs and Christian practices. You're going, you're going to face challenges from people. You might lose mothers, mothers and, and, and fathers and sisters and brothers and friends because you follow the cause of Jesus Christ. Because that they rejected Him in their hearts, but you have accepted Him. And, and, and the truth always brings light to darkness. It, it is countercultural, and we're going to face opposition. And what uh, Revelation chapter 10 in particular is, is a transition from, first of all, the, the, the images of heaven that were given us, and it's a transition away from, from the God's judgment on the wicked. And what he's going to do with this little scroll is give us a window of what's happening to the saints on the earth during this time. 
And it is a cause for fear. So much a cause of fear that I think even the doctrine, that this is where the doctrine of the rapture comes from, that Christians are going to be snatched out of the world in a secret coming of Jesus before all the really bad stuff happens. And as I've said before, you know, uh, back in uh, chapters 6, 7, and 8, when we're talking about all, all the different judgments that are sounded, those judgments are in response to martyred saints that are in heaven. Asking the Lord, you know, for justice. Crying out to Him, when are you going to save the righteous? When are you going to bring judgment on the wicked? When are you going to stop all this evil in the world? And, and, and the response is that God seals the saints and then wipes out the evildoers on the earth begins pouring out his judgment upon them. But he's done, doing that in the response to what? Martyred saints. Which means that, that this is what the little scroll is going to introduce to us. Uh, what's happening on the earth to God's saints. So the angel comes and, and makes an announcement. And, and this, um, this is a major transition in the book of Revelation. That this mighty angel comes and he... He brings this announcement and he is coming down out of heaven and he's wrapped in a cloud with a rainbow over his head and a face um, like the sun. Now, I don't think this is actually Christ. I think it's an angel um, coming down representing the, the, one of the main representatives of heaven, carrying all the symbols of heaven, and he comes down to the earth. He descends to the earth. And not only that, just like on Mount Sinai, you, you, you hear the thunders and the lightnings uh, happening, the rumbling takes place just, just like on Mount Sinai when they received the covenant and also in the throne room of God, we talked about that in chapter 5 um, that there was the same kind of imagery there in heaven, now the angel is coming down representing all of heaven um, and, and the court of heaven and carrying all the symbols of heaven and of God's power he comes down to the earth and puts his right foot on, on the land and the, and the left foot on the sea. And he begins calling out. He begins telling them, you know, what, what's about to happen. And so, um, I'm sorry, right foot on the sea and left foot on the land. I got that backwards. But he comes down and he, he descends. And, and what that, that is, is a symbol of God's sovereignty. You know, he, he's carrying all the trappings of, of God's majesty with him with all these signs. But it's talking about God's sovereignty. In other words, God's control, His lordship, His dominion over both heaven and earth. And now He's focusing on the earth. I have dominion over the earth. I am in control of this situation is what God is saying through this angelic uh, being that comes down. He's establishing God's sovereignty and authority over the earth. And so these seven thunders that, that, that are roaring like a lion, just, just loud, that they announce something to John. And then a voice from heaven says, don't write that down, John, seal it up. See, John in the very beginning was taxed to writing all this down. But for, for some reason, this particular message, God tells him to seal it up. 
And that, that's another sign of God's sovereignty. I'm not going to sit here and try to guess what that message was. Some scholars try to guess what, what, what that message was. But we're not meant to know it because God doesn't want us to know it yet. That there, there's a mystery of, of God as well here. That He is in complete control of everything that's about to happen. He's in complete control of all the things that are about to happen. But the angel that comes down announces something that, that is great and wonderful. And it's interesting what he does here. What he does here, it says in verse 5 of chapter 10, And the angel, whom I saw standing on the sea and on the land, raised his right hand to heaven and swore by him who lives forever and ever, who created heaven and what is in it, the earth and what is in it, and the sea and what is in it, and there would be no more, that there would be no more delay. But in the days of the trumpet call to be sounded by the seventh angel, the mystery of God would be fulfilled, just as he announced to the servants, the prophets. Now the question is, there would be no more delay in what? Well, there would be no more delay in what he announced to his servants, the prophets. And what, what, what that means is the prophets of the Old Testament. In other words, what, what has been announced and promised for millennia, for thousands of years, for centuries upon centuries, is about to happen. When this last trumpet calls, the mystery of God will be finally revealed. What he promised from old is, 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 is about to happen. What, what he promised the, the Israelites, the ancient Israelites, what, what he promised beginning with Adam and Eve, what he promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, what he promised Moses and the Israelites coming out of the wilderness, what he promised to King David in, in, in his uh, glorious uh, kingdom that he set up for God on earth, which ultimately did fall because it was a human kingdom. What, what he promised the exiles who were in Babylon, what he promised the, the post-exile people that came back to Israel and settled the land was about to be fulfilled. The promise that God's kingdom would come to earth, that he would bring an end to, to the kingdom of darkness, usher in his kingdom of light, usher in his, his ultimate kingdom and his sovereignty, usher in his love for, for the people for all time. His eternal kingdom coming to earth. So the seventh trumpet is the last trumpet to come. And when it sounds, God's kingdom will be here. And what the, the prophets look forward to, and, and what we as, as the saints of God look forward to, is about to take place. And the reason he announces that here is because there's going to be some tough things that, that begin to happen. This is why I call it the bittersweet moment. God, God gives the, that little scroll to, to John and tells John that he needs to eat it. And it harkens back to a, a prophecy that God gave to Ezekiel. He was told to eat a scroll then too. And that it would be, be sweet in his mouth, but in his stomach it would be bitter. Well, this little scroll is, is similar to that, that scroll that, that God told Ezekiel, the prophet of old, to eat. 
He's being told, it's going to be sweet in your mouth, but it's going to be bitter in your stomach. And why is that? Well, the Word of God is always sweet in our mouths. And, and God gives us some sweet and glorious promises. He gives us some, some sweet and glorious truths. Well, one of those is that He loved us, and He loved the world so much that He gave us His only begotten Son to take away our sins and to restore a relationship with Him. That His kingdom is, is going to establish love on the earth. And that he, his, his reign on the earth is going to be a benevolent, a good reign. Because He is a good and righteous King. Proclaiming the truth that, that mankind is sinful and needs redemption is, is, is a sweet truth. But the reason it's going to be bitter is because it's going to cause a lot of suffering and a lot of anguish for those who, who, who are giving the message, especially in these last days that, that the angel is announcing. I'm not saying we're in the last days yet. I don't know that. Only God knows that. But at the time that he's given this to, giving this, this prophecy to John, and, and in the days it's going to be fulfilled, it's going to be harder before it gets better. There's going to be suffering and persecution before the, the glorious day of the Lord comes. There's going to be some tough times for believers to go through before he, he, he returns and sets up his eternal kingdom. And he's telling us that and he's warning us of that in, in a bittersweet moment. The moment that, that everyone from, from the beginning of time who, who has ever trusted in, in, in the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, have looked forward to this day to come. When, when God ends evil, takes Satan's kingdom away from him, tosses him into the lake of fire, stops the, the godless and, 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 and evil from going, godlessness and evil from going on. And, and, and all the hatred and the violence and the strife will come to an end. And, and God will bring an issue, the, the era of love, that everyone's been looking forward to from the beginning. And, and even some of these new agers, these other false religions have been looking for an age like this. The age of Aquarius, they, they often call it. They don't realize that, that the only way it's going to come is through the one true God in Christ. Everyone's been looking for this idea of what they call utopia. The problem is they're trying to do it without God. They're trying to do it in themselves. They're trying to set up the, the, this globalism on the earth. It, even non-believers are looking for this, this peaceful era that's coming. But what they don't realize is that the only way that's going to come about is through the sovereign God of the universe. And the only way to salvation is through His Son, Jesus Christ. So, knowing all this, that, that the, the, the bittersweet moment is coming, the moment of God's reward for His saints and, and uh, trouble and, and, and judgment for the non-believers, and, and, and in the time before that happens, we're, we're going to suffer some... But we're going to suffer some persecution. It's going to be hard for us to hold on. But if we hold on in faith all the way to the end, God is going to see us through these things. And if we hold on to Him in faith, without renouncing His name, without turning away from Him, 
then we're, we're the ones who are going to be the victors in the end. We're the ones who are going to receive the crown of life. We're the ones who are going to find heaven real. It is bittersweet. If you hold on to Him in faith, God will lead us through these things. Now, what does this mean for, for believers in, in the meantime? We, we know in, in the end that, that, that God wins, that, that Jesus wins. We know in, in, in the very end that, that uh, God's kingdom is coming in, in a great and glorious way. And, and, and the saints are going to have victory. But what does it mean for us in the here and now? Well, it means that, that you and I need to continue to speak for Christ to others. We, we, we need to continue to speak to Christ for others. It, if, if we believe in Jesus Christ and, and we trust in His name and, and, and we know that He's bringing His kingdom into the world and we know that, that persecution is coming... You know, what we, need to, what we need to do is be diligent in giving the truth now before, you know, whatever trouble and strife is going to come against Christians. Because we want them saved, but we want them to be prepared too for, what, for what's coming. And the only way to, to, to make it through suffering is to continue to have faith in God. We continue to proclaim the message of salvation through Jesus Christ so that they can escape His judgment in the end. Because suffering is, is temporary in this life and it's going to happen regardless. But what we do, how we hold on to faith, how we trust in Him, how we live for Him, how we hold on to Him and not let go, that's going to determine in the end where we go whether we're swept away with, with the godlessness and the evil in the world, or whether we are holding on in faith to Him until we enter His kingdom and receive our glorious reward in Him. We need to proclaim that message to others, that there is salvation in Jesus Christ, and that, that we don't want you swept away when the end comes, when He returns and wipes evil out from, from the world, and, and, and wipes out sin and godlessness. We must continue in faith and be faithful to tell others. The other thing it means for us, again, is, is that we need to hold on to faith even in the midst of opposition that we may face in the here and now. I'm not saying persecution is here yet, but it may be coming. But there are plenty of ways that, that, that we suffer in this life because we, we've held on to Jesus Christ. And, and we're suffering the, the general suffering that, that's come upon the world because of its sin right now with, with a lot of the sickness that's going around with a lot of the death that's going around uh, with the uh, uh, other areas uh, the, the, the economy is, is causing a lot of people to suffer too but we have to be an example to, to the world of holding on to, and, and, and faith to Him and, 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 and holding on to, to Christ in these situations and turning to Him One of the things about suffering that, that I always hold to, and, I, and I've, I've told people this before, I, I, I don't understand 
completely why God allows suffering. And don't get me wrong, I, I'm not saying that, that, that I do. Why He allows it in some situations and not in others. Why some suffer and some don't. But one thing I do know is that when God took on human flesh and dwelled among us, He suffered too. He suffered as well. He has fully identified with our suffering in every way. And He knows what we're going through. And we can trust in Him as He, as he had victory over His sufferings, one day we will too. And so that, that gives suffering the purpose, I think, of sharpening us and, and helping us to grow in Christ. Su su suffering is, is the way in which we gain all the benefits of what Christ has for us. And how we can shed off, shed off our sins and how, how we can recognize that because Christ suffered, I suffer. <laughs> Especially when, when we hold on to the gospel and proclaim it. Because there, there is suffering that's going to come because of that. Because He suffered, I know that I can suffer and make it through these things. If I hold on to faith and obedience just like Christ did all the way through. He never lost His faith in His Father. He never lost His trust in His Father. He knew He had to go through this for our benefit. He knew He had to go through suffering and death on our behalf. And He did it. Because He did it, we can do it too. And hold on to faith all the way to the end and receive our glorious resurrection as well. So we continue to proclaim our faith in Christ to others even if we might face rejection. And we continue to hold on to Him in faith all the way to the end because we know that our suffering is temporary and that our reward is eternal. And so we look forward to that today. Let's stand.